No energy? Always fatigued? Has your got up and go got up and went? Primrose Leafs Pro Max 365 helps to produce natural energy, increase endurance and stamina, improve performance during exercise, reduce pain from fibromyalgia, and is excellent for cardiovascular support. A doctor-designed, deliciously berry-flavored formula that's great for ages 18 to 99. Order Pro Max 365 and get the natural energy you've always wanted. Call 844-376-0007. Refuel daily with Pro Max 365 and get your life back. My guest today is Brenda Tracy. She is a nurse, speaker, activist, and survivor. And in 1998, she reported to police that she was brutally raped by four men, two of whom played football at Oregon State University. Now, in 2014, she found the courage to come forward with her story and now seeks to make the world a better place for survivors. Now, as a citizen lobbyist, Brenda has helped with the passage of eight laws in her home state of Oregon. She has won numerous awards and was named ESPN's Top 25 Women in 2016, one of Sports Illustrated's Most Powerful Women in Sports in 2020, and in 2022, and ESPN's 11 biggest power brokers and advocates shaping college football. Now, Brenda Tracy is the creator of the Tracy Rule, which is the most comprehensive, serious misconduct policy in NCAA history, and she is the founder of the national campaign and nonprofit Set the Expectation. And her message of men as the solution and not the problem is transforming the landscape of sports and how we engage in gender-based violence prevention work. Now, let's welcome founder of SetTheExpectation.org, Brenda Tracy, to the show. Welcome, Brenda. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, we both know that I had the opportunity to interview uh, Washington Commander Defensive End James Smith Williams, and uh, he talked a bit about Set the Expectation but you're the founder. So what prompted you to start this incredible organization? In 2014, I stepped forward with my story that you just referenced of sexual assault. And um, I started speaking, traveling the country, doing citizen lobbyist work, uh, basically became an activist. And it just kind of became a natural progression that I wanted to scale my mission and my message. And I had certain things I wanted to do, projects and things. And so I decided to um, start the campaign, or the, I'm sorry, the nonprofit. But actually, the nonprofit actually started as a campaign. So it really was just a pledge that I had started with college football coaches. And then that set the expectation pledge kind of naturally turned into a nonprofit. And here we are. <laughs> well, okay. So you came forward your story about, uh, was it 16 years later? Uh, yep. Why did, you, why did it take so long? I think for... Well, for one, for 16 years, I think that, you know, when I first stepped forward, <clears throat> there was a lot of backlash against me, a lot of victim blaming, a lot of people didn't believe me, there's a lot of shame, um, I was receiving death threats, you know, the DA at the time said I didn't have a good case, and it was just a lot of things that, that prevented me from, you know, pursuing and receiving justice in that case, um, and so I just tried to just forget about it, I guess, like a lot of us just put it away and try to move on with my life, um, which was very difficult. I was dealing with PTSD and depression and it was, it was horrible. It was a rough guy. I was living very much so living a double life in, in those years. Um, and then just in 2014, I just was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I just every day kind of woke up just not wanting to be here. 
and I wanted to feel better. And so through this kind of series of crazy circumstances, I ended up meeting a sports news reporter um, here in Oregon. And uh, he said, you know, I would love to share your story. And at first I said to him, what story? Like nobody cared then. Why would they care now? He said, I think you could help somebody. And I said, all right, put my name and my face on it. <laughs> and my entire well, life, well, entire let, me life ask, <laughs> well, let me ask you something because you know, I read your story and the thing that, and this is a crying shame, ladies and gentlemen, um, you learned firsthand the political world of college sports uh-huh. and the police department. Can you kind of shed yeah. some light on that? Yeah. So when I first stepped forward with my story, um, kind of what I knew was going on from, you know, back then was that the DA said I didn't have a good case. I, I did a rape kit. Um, I, the police, you know, had my rape kit and everything. I thought that was going to be tested and that kind of thing. Um, I reported to the school. They said they took it very seriously and they would handle it. I kind of did everything I thought like a good victim is supposed to do. Right. And, um, so then when I came for public with my story, then people had questions like, what was going on back then at Oregon State and in 1998? And so there was an investigation done and kind of everybody talked. Um, and so what I found out happened was the DA didn't tell me, while the DA was saying I didn't have a good case, the DA had taped confessions from all four men. And my rape kit was not tested. It was thrown in the trash. Uh, three years before the statute of limitations was up to prosecute those men. At that time in Oregon, it was six years. Um, and the school didn't do anything. They just said, the school president said, don't talk about Brenda, and nobody did. Um, the only thing that happened to those men um, that I knew of at the time was they were given a one-game suspension from the football season by their by their head coach. And then I found out later they did, I think they were told to do community service as well, 25 hours. So. Well, in college sports, did you hear the term, oh, boys will be boys? Oh, I hear it all. I still hear it today, actually. I think we've all heard it. Boys will be boys. Um, and that is not because, a get out of jail free card. Right. Well, and back then in 1998, their head coach went on record in the media and said, these are just, these are good guys who just made a bad choice. And I read that as the victim. And I just, I, I don't know what more boys could be boys, you know, well, we, is than that. We, we hear that almost every month, mm-hmm. you know, you know, good people, can make one mistake. Yeah, but sometimes that mistake deserves prison time. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, I, and, and these I, are crimes. These are not mistakes. This was not a mistake. This was a this was a decision that was made by these perpetrators to do that to me. It was nothing that I did wrong or I caused to happen. That was this was solely their decision in that moment to to do this. And then all of the people around them decided to just make it go away. Um, at the time, uh, Oregon State was fundraising to renovate the football stadium. Um, and I believe that's why this happened. Well, and I was, and, and in reality, if all four of them were 40 years old when it happened, they'd all been gone to prison. But because it was college football, which seems to be treated as a god on its own in every state, including here in the state of Texas, I mean, yeah, same thing here happens all the time, and people look the other way. We don't even have to bring up, was it uh, Penn State or um, yeah, UPenn, Baylor, you know, th- lots of lots whole- of different, yeah. lots of different schools have had had their own scandals in the media. And then, how many do we not know about? Exactly. Well, let let's get to the solution here. Um, 
You've done a lot of work uh, with colleges and professional athletes. Uh, why are they your target audience? So I think that at the at the core and the root of kind of the work I do, I, I believe that men are the solution and not just the problem. And I say that because I believe that if women alone could fix this situ this issue, we would have already done it. I think any community most affected by sexual violence, if they could just fix it, we would just wave our wand and it would be done. Um, and it's not all men, right? It's about 10% of our male population doing these things. So 90% of our men are, are good guys that don't do this. The problem is that within that 90%, you have men who are complicit in their silence, they're complicit in their inaction, or they think, I'm a good guy, I don't do that. Why is it my issue? And I stand in front of the room and I tell these men that I work with, this is your problem specifically because I can't fix it and the community's most affected can't fix it. The 10% are not going to help anybody. That leaves you. That leaves the good men who need to stand up, start aligning themselves with organizations, you know, like mine and, and women communities most affected to fix this problem. And the reason for sports is I just, I'm one person and I believe that as one person, I can shift a culture and the vehicle I have chosen is sports. I mean, I just don't think there's anything bigger than football and men's basketball, really. I mean, we're definitely catching up. Women are definitely catching up. But when you look at football alone in this country and the impact that football has, I really think that if I can mobilize 90% of football players in this country, you, you potentially could see a culture shift. Well, yeah, because when, when I talked to uh, James Smith Williams, I asked him, I said, what was it like when you heard, when Brenda's in the room and she's telling her story and he was just like, you could hear a pin drop. And yeah, it can be very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it needs to be, it needs to be uncomfortable. So how have coaches and athletes reacted to your story and your mission with Set the Expectation? Oh, it's been overwhelmingly positive, overwhelmingly positive. And I can say that, you know, um, especially with our young men, um, we should not forget that there's, they're also survivors too. Like th these are issues of humanity. Like anybody can be the victim of sexual violence. And a lot of our young men have been, or they've witnessed, they've had a family member or they've been, you know, in a home with domestic violence, or there's been something that's gone on that's been traumatic in their lives as well. Um, but overwhelming is positive. They, they want to get involved. They, they want to learn. They want to talk about consent. They want to know, how can I be a change maker in my community? How can I help these issues? And I think a lot of times they just haven't been invited to the table to sit down and talk about it. And so I think a lot of men are very hesitant to get involved because they think, oh, this is a women's issue. I'll just let the women do it. And, you know, and for me, I'm like, no, no, don't, don't, don't sit out. No, don't sit the conversation out. Like I need you to learn and I need you to, to grow and get involved. And so I think, you know, there's an organization called a call to men and they say invite and not indict. And that's what I really try to do with the men that I work with. Give I them an invitation, that. not an well, indictment. I know that uh, Stanford football and Penn state mm -hmm. men's basketball teams were the first to sign the pledge. What did that mean to you and how big of an impact was their pledge uh, to set the expectation. I mean, for me, it was it was pretty big because you know the pledge came about because I had started traveling the country working with big powerhouse Power Five football programs, and I noticed right away there was a disparity amongst coaches. Like some coaches were your matter harm people, color team, 
violent, inviting them into their programs. And so for me, I was like, how do I get all these coaches on the same page? How do I get them to stand in front of the room and say, this is not okay behavior um, and attach eligibility to their behavior. And so I created the pledge and that's what it does. The pledge actually attaches eligibility to behavior. Um, coaches stand in front of the room, they draw the line on behavior um, and they sign it and all the players sign it. And so it's kind of a, it's a kind of a contract. It's not binding or anything, but it's kind of a contract. So to have these, you know, two big programs, have those coaches stand in front of the room and say, this is my expectation of you. It was huge for me. It was really big for me. It felt um, very full circle. It felt um, like people care. Well, since, uh, let's say, 2017, what has been your biggest accomplishment with Set the Expectation? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I don't know about... I don't know about the biggest accomplishment. I would say the thing that I'm probably the most proud of though, is just my team and, and, and men like James and the work that we do in our communities. I think that, you know, I've worked really hard to travel the country and share my story and try to change laws. And I've, I've won a lot of awards for those kinds of things, but like, I want to feel like if I didn't want to do this work anymore, or for some reason I needed to step away, I want to feel like it's going to carry on. Right. Like I have a legacy. And when I see James out in the community and my team and people supporting the work and getting involved, that makes me feel like I started something that won't end with me. I understand that. Now, explain what the Tracy rule is and why it's the most comprehensive, serious misconduct policy in NCAA history. So the NCAA is a governing body over about 1,300 universities and colleges across the country, and they have a lot of rules, <laughs> like lots of rules. There's like 400-page rule book, um, and there's a lot of violations. It used to be you couldn't pay players money. Um, you know, players have to get certain grades to be eligible. There's a lot of things that tie their eligibility uh, or tie to their eligibility, but sexual violence is not. So, so things like rape are not NCA violations. So you can literally have a player found guilty in a court of law for sexual violence, and they can still maintain their eligibility through the NCAA. They can still transfer schools. They can still receive their scholarships. Um, there's no violation in that. And I felt that that was wrong. I felt there sh that should be a violation. Um, and so what I did was I first worked with um, the Big Sky Conference and they created a serious misconduct policy. And then I decided that wasn't um, comprehensive enough. And so myself and another activist, Cody McDavis, we created the Tracy Rule. Um, and it covers all different instances of, of incidents as a very robust waiver policy, or I'm um, sorry, waiver process to it. Um, but it is the most comprehensive serious misconduct policy. And if you commit these types of crimes, you are not eligible to play uh, sports at the schools that have the Tracy rule. And how many, so now what? So, well, if it's the NCAA, they all have the rule. No. no? <laughs> so the NCAA um, really hasn't done much on this issue. I sat on the NCAA commission to combat sexual violence. They've kind of deferred to the schools. So I've actually had to take the rule school by school by school by school. And so right now two schools have adopted the Tracy rule. 
um, there's kind of a patchwork of rules across the rest of the schools, but they're not they're not near as comprehensive as the Tracy rules. So um, a lot of checking boxes and the NCAA just not wanting to get involved, which has been really disappointing to see. Yeah, it goes back to the old um, old school of thought and basically look the other way so we can protect our scholarship players from being kicked off because getting a national championship trumps everything. Yes, it is about winning. It's about money and winning at the end of the day. And it's about protecting this um, ability to make a decision, even if it's a bad decision, even if it's a decision that is unsafe for the rest of the campus community, they want to reserve the, the, um, you know, ability to not be transparent and not be accountable. And that is exactly what the Tracy rule does is it requires transparency and accountability. Well, I think all 1300 colleges and universities need the Tracy rule. Uh, look, we all know that, uh, good people can make one bad decision, one bad mistake, but that mistake hurts somebody else. And when yeah, and then we to, live with a lifetime of, of trauma. Well, that's what I was about to say. People don't understand that with sexual assault survivors, they live with that the rest of their life. It is not wiped away. It is, it's not something that they technically heal from. You know, they do have to, you know, I understand what PTSD, um, programs are about you eventually get to the point where it's it was not my fault and and to to mentally work back into life and it's not easy it you know it's it you know i know of a story of of there was a court case which a woman was sexually assaulted and they were going through the jury pool you know picking out the jury and one gentleman was there and uh, they asked him a question and he looked them straight in the eye. And he goes, here's the deal. He can get a jail sentence and eventually walk out of prison. She's going to live in a prison the rest of her life mentally. So, no, you can hang that SOB. And I probably should have said that. But he, and yeah. the deal was they kicked, you know, they didn't even pick him as a juror because he, he told the truth. And yeah. a lot of people need to realize that. And this is why every college and university, every high school, every middle school needs the Tracy rule. And if you break the rule, you're going to pay the consequences regardless if you're the golden child of the school with a high-end scholarship that could ruin their chances of getting the national uh, championship. You know, la-di-da on that deal. If you break it, you're off. I mean, look look at what's happening in professional sports. You know, we see professional players that, you know, you know, you're seeing it. We're seeing a much higher rate of sexual assault from these players. They eventually get dropped. They're cut from the team. They're losing their endorsements. But is it really doing something to the player or is it more protecting the organization? Right. And I think that that kind of brings me to the part of the Tracy rule that is really probably the most important to me. Um, Yes, the Tracy rule revokes eligibility and holds people accountable. 
But there's also like the spirit of the Tracy rule is about creating culture. And so what I see in, in my work is that, you know, we commoditize our athletes. They're kind of just elite bodies out there winning and making us money. And so what happens is we maybe identify athletic, or I'm sorry, athletic ability in a high schooler. And then maybe there's some problematic behavior or attitudes or beliefs, but we just kind of like, oh, we don't want to ruin their chances to go D1. So we just kind of push it under the rug and we don't do anything about it. And then this athlete has more problems maybe in college, but then we're like, oh, we don't want to ruin their chances to go pro. So we don't really do anything. We don't address it. And then now let's say this young man is in the NFL and now there's a video. And then we go, oh my gosh, the NFL has a problem. Well, for me, it's not that the NFL has a problem because men don't become violent when they sign pro contracts. The NFL has a problem with the way they respond to these cases, but this behavior and these red flags started back in high school. And so for me, if you can in college have this rule that talks about eligibility, because there's nothing more important to the athlete than eligibility. What happens is now where we, not only does the athlete have a vested interest in their behavior because it can affect eligibility, but so do all the people around them. So now instead of just saying, how are your grades? Do you need a tutor? What do we need to keep you eligible? Now we're going to think about behavior. Who are you hanging around with? What are you doing? Do you understand what consent is? So there's really this opportunity to actually care about our athletes, care about their lives, care about them as whole human beings. And this is a policy and a mechanism to do so. And that's really important to me because I think that when young men are whole humans, they show up better in the world. And that means less violence. Yeah. And uh, I know that you do this at the college level. Have mm-hmm. you taken this to the high school level? And if so, what's been the response? I have not taken the Tracy role to the high school level because I think that there's a, de- a different developmental dynamic in high school. But I definitely think that we need to do more education around issues of, you know, healthy, healthy manhood, consent, you know, bystanders, that kind of thing. Um, healthy relationships. I'm not quite sure why we don't talk about healthy relationships with our young people. I think if they knew what a healthy relationship was, they would know what's not a healthy relationship, you know, because we're always talking about what not to do, but we don't always talk about what to do. And I think that's really important. So, um, no, because of the dynamics of high school, um, I don't have the Tracy rule there, but I definitely am advocating for a lot of education. And I go into high schools and I work with high schoolers. Yeah, for set the expectation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it makes sense because I think, in our culture today, as adults, um, as leaders, everyone needs to stop assuming that somebody else already knows or knows right from wrong. Even James yeah. said it. You know, he, he he grew up in a one-parent household. You know, probably 50%, at least if not more, of the young men in high school and in college sports are growing up in a one parent household. Mom can't be mom and dad and some dads can't be mom and dad either, but Mm -hmm. need to set the expectation early. And, uh, you know, we can't assume anything. If we start assuming, then we're part of the problem. What projects is set the expectation currently working on? 
So we kind of have two main projects I'm kind of trying to focus on right now. One is to scale the Champions Program, uh, what James is doing in D.C. and um, activating our professional athletes across the country to get engaged in their communities. So we just don't have the infrastructure right now and the staffing to support that right now to scale that. Um, and then the other thing we're fundraising for is our own curriculum. So I have worked with probably well over 50,000 young men across the country. I've been on over 100 college campuses, um, worked with the military. I have a, a very um, unique perspective on, you know, what we're doing right, what we can improve on. And so I kind of want to take the work that I do and put that into a curriculum. But we have all of our subject matter experts lined up and ready to go. We have um, schools that are ready to pilot the program. We just really need the funding to execute the program. So those are the two main things that we're working on right now. While you bring up funding, how can the public support the work you're doing now? Setthexpectation.org. Go to the donate button. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Brenda Tracy is, well, she turned her test into a testimony. And that testimony is changing thousands of lives. Now, parents, regardless if you're mom and dad, you're a one-parent household, even grandparents are starting to raise the grandkids now. So listen up. If you have a young man in your home, it's time to start bringing up, well, some uncomfortable subjects sometimes because you need to mentor them. You need to parent them and lead them down the right road. Uh, and in this case is that... Uh, Sexual violence is an absolute no-no, and that's not how men are to be. That's not how men are to raise or think that's okay. And the way I look at it is, if you get caught doing that, yeah, you should be uh, having a prison number on your shirt because that's where you're going to go. But guess what? You don't have to go that far we need men to rise up. And and Brenda, I applaud James for stepping up and being in the NFL, being at that level. Um, that's a pretty loud voice for set the expectation. And I pray that more uh, professional athletes jump in to your organization and start being a, a voice. Because I know that there's a lot of men in professional sports that uh, uh, they, all, you know, I don't just call them men. I call them gentlemen. And we need more gentlemen in this world to be mentors to, to the younger ones coming up and to, well, not only set the example, but set the expectation and uh, just to be a loud voice for that message. And ladies and gentlemen, you need to head over to setthexpectation.org and like Tracy, I mean, like Brenda said, and I completely 100% agree, hit that donate button because <laughs> you're you. going to make a huge difference. We're talking about the lies of young men to create them to be respectful in the workplace, regardless if it's sports or not, to be respectful towards women. You know, Brenda, it used to be in the old, old, you know, old days, you know, no mean, no means no, and no still means no. And men need to realize when to stop. And uh, but it it is your organization that is going to give them the tools 
to be the men that we need uh, in, in our society right now and in future generations to come. So again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to shout, shout, shout. Go to setthexpectation.org, hit that donate button, and get involved. Uh, if you feel that uh, there's something that you can do in your community along with Set the Expectation, get a hold of them, contact them, find out what you can do. I mean, helping one young man is a big deal because it takes, I mean, one person can change the world. And, and Brenda, you're that one person changing the world right now. James James was one guy amongst 350 young men at NC State when he was in college, and and I think about that every time I go into a room. It only it only takes one person to change the world. Every 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 historical figure we look at that has changed the world at one point was just one person. They were a little kid on a playground. They were just like any of us, and so I just I I think about that a lot. One person. Yeah, I I really gravitated towards James. Uh, he's got the demeanor, uh, he's got the love and the mm -hmm. passion to, to not only be an example himself and a mentor, but to really continue to deliver your message to a yeah. new generation of, of young men and men. Hey guys, I don't care how old you are. We can all learn something from setthexpectation.org. So Absolutely. It, yeah. So if you're pressed upon that, you need to get involved, contact them. This is a nonprofit organization. They're dedicated yep. to ending sexual and interpersonal violence through prevention work with men, efficacy and engagement with agencies serving survivors and their families. Uh, Brenda, any last words? Um, thank you for having James and I on, um, the ability to elevate the message and the mission and to bring people in is really very valuable and we're just very grateful. So thank you for having us on. Well, you are very, very welcome and much success, uh, to you and to James and the whole team over there at set the expectation and just keep what, well, you know, just keep grinding. You know, I, yes. I, 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 you know, I have, I have to. I have to uh, quote the words from a very good friend of mine, Coach Chris Carlisle. He, he used to work for the Seattle Seahawks, and he always said, keep grinding, keep yep. moving. And so for you and the rest of the team over there, keep grinding, keep moving. and We will. Eventually, you're going to get that Tracy rule into all 1,300 <laughs> colleges and universities. And NCAA, if you can hear the sound of my voice, you need to open up your eyes, open up your ears, and uh, the Tracy Rule needs to be in more than just two colleges. Let's hit all 1,300 because we need to draw the line and no longer allow men to act uh, ungentlemanlike. I'll put it that way. And uh, for the organization of NCAA, you have the power to put this into place. And I yep. suggest you do it now. And I'm going to shout that out to the NFL, the NBA, NLB, and MLS, <laughs> and the rest of you, as well as our men in all the armed forces, which we love so much. Be gentlemen. You are serving our country. But be a, be a gentleman at the same time. So, uh, Brenda, again, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story, sharing thank this you. important foundation and cause. And again, you're changing lives, and we thank you for it. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, 
again, go to setTheExpectation.org and simply hit the donate button. You can't imagine what that's going to do for all of us. And as for me, yeah. I'll see you next time.